With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. Of course, still on lockdown, still at home, but still bringing you the best podcast around on the Blues, and we will be tuning the fact over all the major talking points of Goodison Park, even though there's no footy, there's still plenty to talk about because you, the listeners, have sent in a raft of questions. Uh, we sent out a plea earlier in the week, and you have delivered, so thank you very much for that. And joining me to answer those questions today, Gav Buckland, Adam Jones, and Sam Carroll at various points across the Merseyside region and um, without further ado I think we will get stuck into them so chaps first uh, first few questions are going to be on the season and the situation and, and, and obviously the coronavirus and what it's doing to the game um, forgive my pronunciation Carl Oscar Lilberg has asked quite straightforward are we still sure the season will be finished uh, nice easy one to start with who wants to uh, pick that one up <laughs> Go on, I'll go. Uh, no, uh, um, I don't think we can be 100% sure that the season's going to be finished. And, you know, I think it's something that we discussed earlier in the week, wasn't it? You know, yeah. I think we all kind of expected it to be delayed further than the 3rd of April. And then obviously we've got this delay until the 30th of April now, but we've just had stricter measures brought in across the country by Boris Johnson just yesterday. Uh, apparently they're not going to get reviewed for another three weeks and then mm. I think we'll have to see where the situation lies from that point on but you know the situation as it currently stands just seems to be getting worse and worse it it really doesn't seem like there's an end in sight at this stage anyway and you know even even in terms of just like going outside and having a normal life it just it just seems so far away that you can't really be thinking about bringing football back into this mix as well. So, you know, if it, if it does get to the point where it's, you know, mid-May, end of May, and we still haven't restarted again, then you've got to think that the football authorities, you know, not just here, but across, across uh, the continent, across the world, are going to be thinking to themselves, look, is it time to just scrap this and try for next season and then, and then move on? You know, I think that's going to come with a lot more implications than if they just end, like, tried to end this season in any way shape or form but you know we can't we can't be sure that this season is going to end now so gav just just picking on what adam has said there and, and, and talking about you know having major doubts that the season would finish how would you finish it because as adam points out there feels like there's no scenario which pleases everybody because if we said right the season's null and void and we're just going to let the country get back to normal get rid of the virus and we'll start again hopefully in august or something around that if you're our mates across the park (laughs) you go hang on a minute we're winning the league for the first time in 30 years we can't just null and void the season if you're coming up from the championship you say hang on a minute you you're saying you're closing the door on you know the the richest game in football say the playoff final don't they and all this sort of thing but then if you try and work yeah. out a points per game ratio, is that fair? Because you look, everybody's got different fixtures. I, I just I, I just don't know. 
I mean, by my own point, going, you know, saying what Adam was saying, that, you know, there's 750 million reasons why the season needs to finish, isn't it? Yeah. Because I think what's that, you know, if, if there was no financial penalty associated with this, then you could see a way where they might they'd look to try and, fin, you know, you know, cancel the season or whatever. But what's driving this, obviously, is the saying that maybe start from the 1st of June because the penalty on the table can actually be 750 million quid, isn't it? Something like that. Which yeah. all, you know, the Premier League all take the hit. I, if it were, if they were to cancel it, I don't know. I think, I think what they want to do would keep litigation to a minimum, wouldn't they? Mm. So they don't want, you know, you can envisage something along the lines of everybody stays in the Premier League and for one season only they promote the two clubs who are top of the championship at the moment, but that's opening up a can of worms, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in the championship. I, I can't I can't see anybody getting relegated them, them finishing the season and anybody getting relegated from the Premier League, you know, after 29, 30 games. Because people have got games in hand, haven't they, for the start? And the, the points per game is 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 uh it's fraught with difficulty, isn't it? Because it assumes everybody's played the same points and they haven't. Some might play Liverpool twice and Man City twice and other teams play them only one each. So um, it's difficult. What I will say is I don't see anybody getting relegated in that, that position. They, they, want, they want, you know, you, you know what's going to happen there. Under, I know you have parachute payments, but, the, you know, lose money, lose sponsorship, all that type of stuff. I can't see that happening. No, OK. Sam, any thoughts on, on that question? About, you know, do we, are we still sure the season will get finished? Yeah, the season sh- should get finished, shouldn't it? I think whether... Now, I feel like now it's just going to run until when it runs, whether that be June, July, August, Julember. The season's going <laughs> to get played till, till some point because it has to, doesn't it? I think we touched on it in, in, earlier in the week that uh, with kind of relegation, promotion, Europe and the, the huge financial implication, then this season will get finished. And it's the, it's the, the next seasons then after that that I think are going to be the real struggle in terms of fitting it all into a calendar and, and, and whether we'll we'll lose games and, and stuff. But you know, as we were talking about before we before we came on, you know, it's, it's unbelievable now to think that it, it looks like the National League season is over and obviously there's not you know steps one to one to seven there. A lot of local clubs to Everton and Liverpool now their season's done. So you know we would never have thought we'd have even hit that stage. So although it's a totally different kettle of fish in terms of the money you know, it's happening. Seasons are finishing in football now. So, although it's 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 a little bit of a different situation, I'm still pretty much 100% certain that we just have to finish it. Whether it comes back in the winter or whenever it comes back, that you you just can't not not do it. So, yeah, football will will come back. I think for this season, but then whether we take out the FA Cup and the League Cup and stuff like that next season, I think that'll be the way it gets really interesting. Indeed. Um, you sort of touched upon a question James Andrew has posed to us. Thanks, James, for your question. Are these top players going to be happy with three years of non-stop football due to trying to push 10 games in, which then has a domino domino effect for the next four years? So, so Gav, there, James Andrew sort of saying, you know, there's going to be a domino effect if we try and squeeze these things in. A player is going to be happy playing football almost continuously, given the international tournaments are coming back around. The Olympics have been delayed today um, and, and so on. 
you know, we've got the World Cup, we've got the funny season, haven't we, around the World Cup in 2022 as well, haven't we? Um, I don't, don't know, it's an interesting one. Uh, I would doubt it, but just be lucky that you're playing. Mm. At the end of the day, just be lucky that, just thank you, lucky stars of professional footballers, will, will be what I think. But yeah, you, you're going to see, you know, but I'm picking up on Sam's point there is, it, it's, it's a problem for this season and whatever next season looks like, isn't it? In some respects, next season might cause even a bigger, bigger issue because there's so much to cram into it. And you, you suspect that a lot of players will not want to play three or four competitions next season. Mm. I think I think something's got to give in the calendar. If, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're a professional footballer, something's got to give. And to fit all that in over the, the but next season, which could be truncated and fitted into like a a sort of six, seven month period. Then we got the Euros, then we got the following season. Um, then we you know we've got the you know, African Cup of Nations, South America, all that type of stuff. It's going to be very difficult for players. I can see players not wanting to play more than, say, Premier League football and European football for the stars. Gav, you, talk, you, you talked about litigation earlier when we talked about the season generally and, and the Premier League and the TV deals, et cetera, et cetera, and, and all that goes with it. It could even be, you know, if, 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 if seasons are truncated and games are coming in thick and fast and a really t- tight schedule, you've got the PFA, you've got FIFA Pro, you know, you could be getting individuals going down that, that, that legal route challenging all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and their agents are going to be having a way out, aren't they? And I think... You would like to think any calendar that's set up from June onwards there will be consultation with the players. And I like I say, likes to be, you know, we've got supporters and all this as well, haven't you? You know. Mm. Um, you know, because they're already talking about that players are just going to be ripe for injury, aren't they, if you come back yeah. in June? Having not played. And you know, if you think you're playing say if you're at the bottom of the table, you play nine massive games in a short space of time, that, that, and you've not really trained and stuff, that's going to be really difficult so there's going to be no, it's not like the start of a new season and then if you get into then what happens then if you injury takes into the next season and stuff like this so it's a hell of a lot to think about more just how this season ends it's as you say like it's that domino effect isn't it Over, I mean this we could, this ramifications of this could carry on you know beyond the 2022 World Cup mm, absolutely Okay, um, moving on to the questions. Um, plenty, as we expected, on transfers and, and the squad. Uh, we're cracking. Danny Broderick, can each of you choose a realistic signing to improve the squad next season? Adam, I'll uh, throw that one over to you first of all. Realistic, by the way. So, uh, no Neymars, no Messies. Oh, why wouldn't Neymar be realistic? Kertzuma, <laughs> um, uh, I think. You know, okay. but it, we're in need of a centre-back. Kedzuma was obviously a huge target last summer. You know, he's he's played a few games for Chelsea this season. He's not exactly a first-team regular for Chelsea this season. I think he just fit better at Everton. And, you know, I, I just I just think he would still add a lot to our options in defence. So, I, I, I'd probably go for, for Zuma. I, I did try my hardest to try and think of a right winger or, a, like, a right midfielder, but it's so it's so hard. Like, I don't, I don't envy... You know, Brandon Ancelotti for tra- for ha- having that on their plate to try and yes. search for, but uh, yeah, I think Zuma would be a nice sort of realistic one. I think to try and I think he'd improve the defense certainly. Good one, Sam. Yeah, we, we've been uh, we've been talking about this t- today, so 
apart from myself. I think I'd be a savvy, <laughs> savvy addition. To you, you take us down, Sam. I thought I was getting filmed. To be honest, in the summer I was, I was confused by the links, but after after watching them this season and, and kind of thinking about where we need to strengthen, I, I definitely think that going back in for for Decore would would probably be a, a an interesting sign. And I just think he, he he's, he's big, he's strong, he's powerful. He can defend, he can attack, and. I really think he's that kind of profile that could offer something a little bit different to to Gomez and and Delph and you know may, maybe we haven't seen too much of Jabal. Maybe the only snagging point to that would be is is he too similar a profile to maybe what Brands wanted Jabalman to be and and hopefully what he will be. Um, you know, obviously if if Jabalman does fit that fit that brief, then maybe you're looking for more of a a, a forward thinking midfielder or as Adam said, a winger. So. Yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one. I think there's a, there's just a few key. I think centre back, centre mid, and winger. If we can get one of those each, uh, then I'd, I'd be delighted this summer. But yeah, I definitely think Decore at the moment. Hopefully, if you get him for a reasonable price, I really think he'd uh, he'd fit in well. Yeah. Well, I've not been. I'm gonna like um, say not near because I've not been part of this question. So I had time to think about it. I was gonna say Kerr and Adam went straight in there, didn't he? You we haven't. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do, you think, I, do, you, I, do you think that ship sailed though? I'm not sure. I mean, the, the other one, which uh, Sam mentioned to Cora, how old's the Cora? Right? He's 28. Yeah, I think he's 28, 29. Yeah. 29, isn't he? Yeah, been an interesting conversation, wouldn't it? 20, 27, 27, according to Google. Oh, is he? Take it. Just, My just apologies. 10, 27 Sorry. on J- January 1st. Oh, no, apologies, Abdullah, yeah. Yeah. Um, In case you're listening. He will be. I'd, I'd, say, <laughs> I'd say I'd go with Abon Zuma. What I would say though is and I, and again I'm going on kind of ad, ad theme is desperately need a right winger who can score goals and we and we need a left foot. You know. Um I'm, I'm thinking if not Zuma, the the the, the lads being with Gabriel, is it? Is it yeah. the centre half? Mm-hmm. Centre half, yeah. 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 I think he I think he could uh you, you just need a left foot player. I mean, did, I was thinking about this, you know, we've been speaking about Baines being renewed the contract and you know whether he should not. If if you've got a left foot to centre half, sometimes if you're the right sort of sort of you've got the right sort of ability, flexibility, you can play them at left back, can't we? Mm, that's, that's one true. of the things we've missed out. I mean, we haven't had a left foot centre half, he can fill in at left back. Yeah, because Les, Les got used to do that, didn't he? He did. And and I think I think um, I think a left foot centre half maybe, and he could be quite a decent one, I think, if not sooner. In terms of wingers, would anybody have any objections to Memphis Depay? Just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, maybe. Could play yeah. across. The, could play across the three. Yeah, that is time at Manchester United would still just stick with me a little bit. You know, I know he probably didn't go to Manchester United at the right time. You know, Manchester United were in a world of transition and I'm not saying that it was all Depay's fault, but I just don't think he seemed to adapt all that well to the Premier League during his time here. So I think that would that would always kind of stick in the back of my mind. Like it's very different to be able to go to, you know, Holland or France 
and be able to perform the way he has done. And he's performed fantastically well in those countries, don't get me wrong. But and I'm not saying Premier League experience is all is all that it should take, but for somebody who has spent, you know, a significant amount of time in the Premier League and it just didn't it just didn't click for him, I think that would that would kind of stick with me. And if we were to go for someone like the Pie, Leon would presumably want a fair wedge of money uh, to be able to prize him away. So would we be able to get someone a little bit better for cheaper? I'd probably think so. So I'd maybe I'd maybe stay clear of that one personally. It's, 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 not, it's not as if you've got any history of buying former Man United players or Man United players. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, if, if you remember, Phil, I remember when yeah. we, we, talk, we spoke about him on a podcast it was about three years ago. Because I think when we sniffed after Tapai when he was on sort of Man United at one stage. I remember when yes, Cumin was really interested, yeah. Yeah, funny how these names keep on cropping up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, just just throwing it out there. Um, okay, moving on. Um, Bravo Whiskey has uh, asked this question. I think we may we may have slightly covered it, but I'll, I'll put it um, in anyway. Do you think we won't sign a holding midfielder because of Jean Philippe Gabamin? Uh, we pay twenty five million pounds for him, and he has four years remaining on his contract. After all. Um, it, it does seem that that Carlo does want a midfielder, though, um, which probably says that Gabamin Gomez and the new signing would be, you know, in the top three of his options next season, plus another one. But I guess the other one is perhaps uh, up for debate, isn't it? Yes, I think that a lot of it can depends, doesn't it, on maybe what Carlo's thoughts are himself. You know, I've got no doubt that you know Marcel played a a part in signing Jabamon and you would think that just because he's had a, a difficult season through injuries his opinion on him hasn't changed drastically and, and he'll be telling Carlo look there's a there's a player here that, that you can use but on the other hand then Carlo himself might be saying well look I want to sign this midfielder and I want to sign that midfielder and you know I'd I, I guess that after Farhad has, has brought in a manager of his calibre that whatever Carlo wants you know within reason Carlo should probably probably get this summer, shouldn't he? So if, if Ancelotti turns around and says, OK, great, I think Jabarman looks like he might be decent, but just in case he isn't a one-aim and a one-aim, then he, he probably might go out and sign another one and, and, and be left with a little bit of a surplus. And, you know, that that could also then lead to moves for some of the midfielders who are, who are at the club. You know, Morgan Schneiderlin would be one of them. The future of Tom Davis, probably not not nailed, as nailed down as maybe the long-term contract he signed last summer suggests. So, there's definitely room room to manoeuvre in there, and I think a lot of it will just depend on, on what Ancelotti wants to do. But you know, the big hope with Jabamin, I think you wrote it recently, Phil. You know, he's he's kind of got better mm. through absence, hasn't he? You know, and, and the only problem is now there's going to be a lot of expectation for him. You know, when when he first when he plays his first game of next season, whenever that may be, or even this season now, you know, a lot of people are going to look through him to to hit the ground running. Which can any player do that after a year out and? You know, he'll be starting afresh in the Premier League for a second time. So it's difficult. And I think probably, you know, like Adam's piece last night, I think the goalkeeper situation this this, this summer is interesting. But just as interesting as, as the midfield situation, you know, we need a winger, we need a centre-back. But there's a lot of kind of intricate kind of stories that, that, that can happen in this midfield and a lot of different ways that it can go. But I think if Chabamon is the player that Brands hoped he'd be, you know, it takes such a, a pressure off in the transfer window this summer. Because then I think... If Carlo can get one top-class centre mid to go there, then I think we've got a, a midfield capable of, of competing with the top six. 
Adam, um, as Sam alludes to you, did write about the goalkeeper situation and they mm-hmm. question him from Tom at T. Brewski. Uh, what do you think <laughs> rumours surrounding a new goalkeeper mean for Jordan Pickford's future? Um, I'm not sure they'd affect his future all that much. I think it'll just it'll hopefully affect his form because I think I'm probably one of a fair few number of Everton fans who think that Pickford maybe just needs a bit of a challenge. Because he he just doesn't really have that challenge at the minute, does he? You know, for the most for the majority of the season, Martin Stecklenberg has been the backup to Pickford, and you know while he's been a really solid backup option for Everton since he joined in 2016, uh, is he is he going to be a man that challenges Pickford? He, the last time he played for Everton was in that League Cup defeat to Southampton last season, so you'd you'd think not. Uh, Jonas Losel was signed in the summer, and you, you were hoping that he might be able to be the one to push Pickford, but instead it was it still seemed to be Stecklenberg. He was, you know, getting the places on the bench. Losel didn't didn't even manage to get a cup game before he was back out on loan at Huddersfield. His future looks to be up in the air a little bit because, you know, he's going to be returning to Everton now, having not played the game for Everton. Huddersfield don't look like they're going to be able to afford him permanently in the summer. So is he going to be left a little bit in limbo? Stecklenberg's contracts out of uh, out in the summer. He's going to be left a little bit in limbo to to Everton offer him a new deal to let him go, and then you've got Jao Virginia as well, who's you know an incredibly exciting young talent. But is is he ready for the Premier League? His loan at Reading would probably suggest not. Suggest that he maybe needs a loan move somewhere else as well. So I think if Everton were to sign you know another a really top class goalkeeper, I think it'd just pick push Pickford that little bit more, and maybe we'd be able to see Pickford. Back to his best again, you know, like when he that first season when he joined us, he saved us so many points in that first season. Maybe if he can get back to that sort of form, then you know, if we could have a, a little bit of a battle in terms of goalkeepers, then that's only going to be benefit us, you know. I know it was probably what Silver wanted, but you know, we want two, we want two players in every single position, and I just don't think we've got that a goalkeeper at the minute. And I think you know, just the signing of a top class goalkeeper, it wouldn't mean Pickford gets pushed out the door, it'd just mean that. You know, we finally have that competition in that position. I think that's the, the juxtaposition that Adam points out, isn't it? You know, we do need that 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 push. But at the same time, you know, it's and really it's a problem that Everton have had since we signed Tim Howard. You sign a goalkeeper who you are largely reading between the lines, telling, but you'll have to sit on the bench all season. And even the way Pickford's going at the moment, and you might not even play cup games either, even if our current keeper isn't in that good of form. Do you know what I mean? And I guess well, there's, this, there's still, you know, it's obvious Pickford is still better than Lozell and Stecklenberg, even when he's not in the most, not even bad form, when he's just been a little inconsistent. But it, it's a tough sell, isn't it? You know, for, for any goalkeeper to to join. And, and that's what makes it so kind of interesting that Stecklenberg is a safe pair of hands for a second and third choice. I, I still think Lozell, on paper, was a sensible sign. And I, I think maybe... He didn't expect the challenge with Pickford to be kind of as difficult as what it was, and then obviously went to chase a spot in the in the Danish national team. So I still think we could probably be left with a, a similar situation in that it would kind of make sense to offer Stecklenberg a one-year deal if he settled here and and wanted to do that, and Lossel could come back and uh, be second choice. But then with the with the Euros getting pushed back, then I suppose he's in the same boat again of needing to get in that squad. Exactly. So exactly. What? Do, so what I was going to that was really a nice question. 
what do you think we do? What do you think Jonas Lossel is thinking? Because as you say, Sam, he went to Huddersfield in January because he wanted to make sure he was in the squad for the Euros. The Euros are now being put back for 12 months. He will return to Everton, presumably at the end of whenever the season is, possibly before, because obviously uh, they had Grabara, didn't they, I think, um, and he got injured. So if he comes back to fitness, there may be a decision there uh, anyway. But his situation hasn't changed. Yeah, and I think that's... My worry with the whole thing is that the two guarantees are you need is Pickford will be number one and you need Virginia to go out on loan and hopefully a better loan. You know, and it happens and, and especially with a young keeper, it it just didn't work out at Redden, you know, a couple of mistakes and you're out of the team and a change of manager and, and and he's back at Everton all of a sudden. But you know, he needs to go out on loan to build his confidence and to, to get a, a good run of senior men's football. The worry is is that as we've spoken about already, there's Work needs to be done across the board, and if Stakelenberg doesn't sign a new deal, and Lossell comes back from Huddersfield and says, "Well, look, for me, nothing's changed. I want to go out on loan again." Unless you're going to put your foot down and say, "Well, tough, you're number two, get yourself on the bench," you know, and risk kind of up rocking the boat with him a little bit, then you're potentially having to go out and sign two senior goalkeepers in a in a summer transfer window, which then leads back to Adam's point that. If you're Marcel Brands and Carlo Ancelotti behind the scenes trying to get a centre-back, a centre-mid and, and a winger to immediately start in the first team, then it's going to be difficult to find a, a goalkeeper with the right attitude and the right ability to, to push Pickford. So, you know, it's, especially with all this kind of going on in the background of coronavirus and the season getting pushed back and whence the Kellenberg's contract would run to and all the legal implications of that, quite a complicated situation which... Go a variety of ways, really. Gav, Chris Cohen has got an absolute doozy of a question for you, here, mate. With the loss of <laughs> with, the, with the loss of revenue, most teams will face due to coronavirus. What do you believe the chances are Everton's summer business will be minimal? So there's, there's a couple of questions in in, in a question there yeah. in terms of. So, do you think Everton yeah. will be hit financially by this delay? Um. Or do you think significantly they would be hit financially by a season being cut off at this point? And, and does that affect potentially what we do whenever this transfer window is? Yeah. Uh, an hour. Uh, <laughs> I think what I don't mean financially, we are vulnerable, aren't we, in terms of if the season was truncated and there was a smaller TV payment. Uh, to clubs in the Premier League that Everton because our commercial income is not, not that great because our match day income is not that great we are heavily reliant on TV money so any reduction in that TV money however small would hit us substantially that said is what then comes into play for me would be then FFP wouldn't it absolutely in, in terms of living between within your means and in normal FFP terms, if, if say, we lost £30 million in TV money, maybe more, uh, we'd have to make that up. Um, but if if the FFP rules were relaxed, then we may still we may still be able to carry out business. Because as we know, transfers don't hit you in the year. You buy, you buy a player, hit you over the course of the contract. Cool. So I would say probably... Not my my feeling would be not that great as long as we guarantee future income in future years. And of course, we just don't know what 
football's gone a lot. It goes back. I don't know what football's gone a lot like, folks. There, you know, post mm. this, this this traumatic period, do we? Um, but all things being equal, probably not that much as long as FFP rules were, were sort of um, you know reflected. You know the fact that actually there's some very unusual circumstances at the moment. And Gavin, we won't labour on this point, but and also as FFP, um, what about the Premier League profit and sustainability um, rules? Do you think now that this spells the end or, or a revision of that one hundred and five million pound figure that you're allowed to lose over a three year period as a maximum? I, I would think they, they would have the same what's called force majeure rule, isn't it? That if there's something outside your uh, control that comes in and affects your finances, then that would be taken into account. I know within FFP it does. Um, I would imagine the Premier League would have to renew that, would have to review that, regardless of what what um, you know whether there's a, a, a paragraph in there or not. I would imagine there will be to be honest with you, Phil. Yeah. Um, what what needs to be avoided though is something, and this is across football. Is oh, FFP is not going to count this year. Let's go up and believe the money. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but which it hopefully wouldn't happen. But I think we will be all right in the great scheme of things as long as some of the FFP rules and Premier League rules were were, uh, were loosened. Not just for this year. Maybe even that. That's another one that maybe going to mm. next year as well. So our, our financial year is is runs up to the end of changed up to the end of June, didn't we? Yeah. So there will be an impact. End of this June this year, perhaps because the TV income would have been used to pay up to the end of June, and also the next financial year as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's two financial years, um, that that this this incident for whatever, uh, if you want to a better phrase, would affect. You would think, hopefully, that there would be some understanding financially with both the Premier League and FFP across those two financial years. Absolutely. In terms of loosening the, loosening the rules a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's a good one for Adam. Do you think Carlo has had enough time to assess the squad and who he wants to keep or sell as he expected? Or does he need, or sorry, or was he expecting another eight to ten games in which to make that decision? That's from uh, Michael Esney. Um, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because yeah, I think he quite rightly would have expected to have from the day he joined until the end of the season to make this decision. Now, and of course, he may still have those games, of course. Let's make oh, yeah, clear, of course, yeah. yeah. Like, he, he, he absolutely could still have those uh, those games, but I, there's no doubt in my mind that it will be crossing his mind at this point and it will be crossing the minds of a lot of the club's hierarchy at the minute. Look, we might not get these these games, like the, like, so we, we might have to make uh, quicker decisions than we expected on the current squad. Having said that, uh, I'm not sure. I think Carlo, in, in a very short amount of time, has got every aspect of this Everton squad that he could have possibly got. He got, you know, the highs of you know some really good performances uh, across when he first joined. Uh, he had the kind of late collapse at Newcastle. He had the Merseyside derby defeat. He had that Chelsea defeat as well. You know, he, he's kind of encapsulated all that is good and bad about this squad at the minute. So, in a way, what else could he have possibly learned? You know, apart from players who are injured, you know, you know the likes of Gabamon, you know, you can't really, you can't really judge him uh, as of yet. But apart from that, you know, you'll have seen these players week in, week out for a good number of months now. 
Uh, he's seen a, a wide range of performances on the pitch. You know, he's seen all the inconsistencies that we've always said uh, are rampant throughout this squad. So, in a way, what what else could what else could the players have taught him in these last you know eight to ten games? Could they have put together a run for Europe? Can they still put together a run for Europe? Maybe you know we don't know, but. In my head, I don't think there's a lot more that Carlo is going to learn about these players, and I think, you know, he might he might have decisions already in his head. You know, we we don't know. Indeed, we do have more questions that have come in on transfers, but we will get to them uh, in the pod later in the week or next week. So, um, thank you for those. Just quite a lot. We want to get across as many areas as we can. Uh, perfect. This is one for Sam. What next for the under-23s players, Sam, specifically ones with contracts that end this summer, like Nathangelo, Markello and Morgan Feeney? That comes from the street end, 1878. Yeah, um, you know, we, we went to, we obviously went to, to meet Unsworth a, a few weeks back, didn't we, and, and recorded that, that special podcast with him, in which it was clear that it's been a, um, it's been as much of a transition for, for for Unzi and the under twenty threes this season as it has been for the first team over the the last couple of years. So you know a lot of contract questions. You know we, we answered the Lewis Gibson one. There was a lot of talk about his contract. We got him signed up, got him out on loan, and by all accounts he's he's flying. I don't think he's lost the game yet, has he? And barely conceded the goal. Uh, in terms of Markello, you know obviously we know that the club have got a an extension. Uh, an option for an extension on his contract. Would they take it at this moment? Probably not. And that's not because uh, Markello hasn't been a, a good servant to that under-23 team and not because he doesn't impress. You know, he quite often looks like one of the better players in that team. But, you know, the lad is, is now, what, 20, 21? Probably time to, to let him kind of go and, and stand on his own two feet and, and, and look for a senior move. And, and Morgan as well could, could be in that same boat. The only thing that maybe... I could see happening with Feeney. Um, could potentially be a, a similar situation to Harry Charsley. Yeah. Uh, you know, suffered a, a really unfortunate injury that, that kept him out for a bit of time, like what Morgan's had at Tramier. You know, so cruel on a on a lad who is a, a, a boss Evertonian as well. And whether the club might hand him what they did to Harry and say, look, six months, get yourself fit again. You can play every game in 23 years. Scouts come down to watch you. And then, they, you know, Harry, Harry ends up joining Mansfield, I think it was, in January. Mm. Something like that, I think, would be nice for Morgan. But I think Morgan has also got enough stock that it wouldn't surprise me if there's take if there's football league takers out there for him in the summer. And then the other one is, is Matty Folds, who, who spoke to David uh, about Matty a few months back, and you know, David all but confirmed that you know Matty will move on to to pastures new in the uh, in the summer as well when his contract expires. But also saying that you know what Folds has given him and his team, you know, he loves he loves Matty. You know, he, he's a he's a consummate professional. You know, and I think he's the kind of player that the Nunzi would keep forever if he could. But again, I think I think David's words were, were that he's going to have a really good career, which which he will. You know, he's he's been another one who who's been really good. So yeah, there's going to be more new faces coming through. Uh, you know, really time next season where it's going to be interesting to watch your your Jared Branthwaite and you know a few others. Your Ina Am- Iversons, uh, Ella Sims will be in his second full season of under twenty three football. So yeah, really, really exciting, really interesting to, to get to grips with a few new faces. But of those we've just mentioned there, you, you're probably expecting all, all three to leave in the next, you know, six six months. OK, moving on to slightly uh, more lighter, not less serious, less uh, 
less all about the footy. Um, Rick Eckloff has asked, how about some suggestions of books to read, movies to watch, or other podcasts to listen to? Gav, the author of uh, a number of books, we have any suggestions? I was going to say, he's going he's to recommend himself. No, to be fair, I just suggest you go on Amazon, click Gavin Buckland, and buy, buy the six or seven times underneath there if you're not put them all together. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like the way you ask me if they Well, I know Adam, I know Adam bought one of my books previously when he was very young. Oh, yeah, yeah. Him, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, I can't remember which one. It was the one with Dixie Dean on the on the cover. Yeah, it, it was. One was that? that was the time when Dixie Dean was, uh, was playing. <laughs> by the way, yeah. Oh no, was, uh, <laughs> that was that was strange but blue. That was in two thousand. So I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm contractually obliged to say money can't buy us. Love my tale of Evan under Harry Patrick and John Morris from nineteen sixty one to seventy three. You all should buy that if you've not bought it already. Shame on you. Um, <laughs> to, to be honest with you, I'm not, I, 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 books are just... Uh, I, I like old, 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 from my time, you know, when that 70s, 80s, histories and all that, my my type of uh, my type of footy book, you know. Um, but I think there's, lo- there's lots of stuff out there, lots of great stuff that you guys are doing. I'm also contractually obliged to mention that as well, you know. But there's a bit of train and stuff. I'm not. I'm not a great. I'm not a great uh, box. You know, sort of box set. You know, Netflix or that type box set. That's the word I was looking for. Um, type of guy. You know, I watched Breaking Bad. That was fantastic. That was years ago. That's what I was saying. Okay. If you watch Breaking, <laughs> if you watch Breaking Bad, then get on Better Call Saul, Gav. It's decent. Yeah, well, I, I've seen a couple of series of that, but not a, not as good. Uh, no, well, I've never watched. It. The Wire. I've never watched that either. Oh, brilliant! Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, of course, we're yeah, all. I've never that's one to watch. We're all emotionally obliged, not contractually, but emotionally obliged now to watch The Outsider because Carlo recommended it today to a, uh, <laughs> to a fan on a phone call. Yeah, he called it very dark. Yes, <laughs> which uh, kind of scared me a little bit, yeah. but uh, I'm intrigued by it as well. Yeah, so I think everybody, uh, every Evertonian, has now got to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what I've watched. I haven't said I don't watch Netflix. A couple of one is the, the Stranger, which is really good, and the other one which was uh, I was a couple of years ago with the fella from uh, Dexter. You know, we're safe. You're not seeing that. That's uh, that's got. Uh, I think they're both about eight, eight, nine episodes long. Those series, they're both well worth watching. Okay. Are there any but, uh, any any further additions to this uh, this list? I think the. Uh, well, uh, on. Did he did he not say add? Did did he not say add? I did okay. say add, but it doesn't matter. I thought so, you said you want to add any? What you might said, does add want to add, maybe? Yeah. No. I've confused Sam there. Sorry, everybody. Well, it doesn't take much, does it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, in terms of movies, like one that I rewatched the other day was uh, Spotlight. I absolutely love that yeah. film. Yeah, and if you haven't film. seen that film, I would absolutely highly recommend watching that. Uh, apart from that, uh, on Netflix, I've just started watching, have you heard of that? The Tiger King. No, that oh, it's absolutely bizarre. It's about this fellow, like in America, who owns you know one of them like big roadside zoos, and he owns like two hundred and fifty right. odd tigers. Wow. And just the the story, the story of him is absolutely incredible. So yeah, that's only just come out on Netflix. I would highly recommend getting into that because um, I am loving it. Excellent. Well, Rick, hopefully that is. Uh... That, that recommendation list will keep you busy for a little while. Is uh, another good one, Mark Ovens. If you could rewatch any Everton game while in isolation, which would it be? And if you were stuck in isolation with any Everton player, past or present, who would you choose? 
Me, me and Andy have already discussed this. I stuck in isolation. Me and Andy van der Meijer. Just <laughs> I don't even reckon I'd noticed the three months had passed because we just have. What possibly could go wrong? No, I just need love a little, love a little desperado as well. Get FIFA on. Just talk about the night out, can it? And the one Everton game. Um, Man United, two thousand and five. Vegas and Diving Edda. Just I was saying to Adam earlier, not the best game, but as a nine-year-old, that that was my first first Everton match where I just couldn't believe that a crowd could be that loud. I didn't realise that you could get thrown down like 27 rows of the lower Gladys when when we scored. You know, you had the Rooney songs and Rooney watched the score when we went 1-0 up. You had Gary Neville volleying balls into the family enclosure and getting sent off. It was just, just out of... I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm, I'm going to put it on. I was looking at some stuff yesterday. I think... Uh, Going back to Adsport, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's unique because we favourite the type of player of all time, but going back to Adsport, I think uh, a few weeks with Michael Mazar would be uh, probably quite fun as well. Mm. Isn't it? For some of the reasons uh, <laughs> from what uh, Sam was saying about uh, Van der Meijer, I think Michael Mazar, I think Michael Mazar and Andy Van der Meijer and nice relation with each other would actually be uh, would be fun. But yeah, I think Mickey Mazar would be uh, would be good fun. I think for. For, for uh, you know, for, for a couple of weeks, throw uh, throw Royston into the flat, and you've got uh, <laughs> yeah. Drenthe, Oh my god! Yeah, you, went, you, could have, you could have Tom Gravison as the landlord, couldn't you? He's got a money. <laughs> That'd be. Uh, I want. I want a funny story about Tommy Gravison. Uh, a journalist told me when he when he resigned for Everton in uh, two thousand seven, when he came back on loan, it was just I think it was just after uh, Finch Farm had opened, and he walked into the reception. And he said, uh, I was standing at the reception, I was waiting to interview Tommy Gravison, uh, and he'd come down, and I was just getting signed in. And in the, in the reception area, there was a big load of uh, water bottles just piled up, uh, piled up, and the medal just being delivered. And he said, in utter silence, and, and completely, like, for, for no reason at all, Gravison went up and kicked the water bottles all over the reception. <laughs> Just for no reason. In utter silence. And then just went back to being like sort of getting signed in. So it was just mad. <laughs> well, there you go. Tommy Grav. Um Adam, have you had your pick? Sorry, mate. Uh, no. Uh, do on. you want me do you want me match or me uh, me play? Okay. I want both Ad. Come on. Give All right. Oh, I've, not give, I've not given me match, by the way. I'll do that after Ad. Sorry. Okay. No, go that on, go on. Good. You go first. You go for your match first. Go on. Oh uh, well, I, it, it was only televising. Highlight form, but if I could relive one Everton game again, it'd be Spurs one Everton two, April nineteen eighty five, um, because it's the best Everton game I've ever, I've ever been to. That, that'd be my that'd be my game. There you go, Adam. Uh, for my game, I'd choose uh, us beating Liverpool three 0 uh-huh. that, that was that was an absolutely amazing day, and I remember like walking home from uh, that match. I'd been with my uncle, and my uncle was saying to me and my cousin like treasure this this will this will this will not happen again for a long long time and fair play he was uh, he was absolutely right and uh, for player I would choose my famously long time best friend Matty Pennington Sam's fuming Cameron's got off he's angry yeah. can I just can I just say by the way just saying, I would be in a bit. 
bit of jealousy. I like the way Sam calls uh, Mr. Brunswick Dave. And also as well, to add, to, and I've been doing a podcast five years, first time I've ever the way, heard the word juxtaposition mentioned Oof. during the podcast, goof by Sam before, like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, just before we wrap up, we've got a few minutes before we wrap up. Uh, final question. Liam Fitzpatrick has sent us a question. Pick your Everton five-a-side team from players you have watched. Sam? Oh, five-a-side team from players that I've seen. Pickford, shot stopper. Get him in there. Um, Sylvan Distan, what a tanky. Be in the pits. Five-a-side? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Gravison, because you always need like a psycho in five side, don't you? Midfield <laughs> uh, psycho. Then Drenta. Little, you, you always need like the lad who's boss of footy, but like an absolute dope, don't you? Yeah. Get in. Um, and then I probably stick. I probably stick myself in. Stick me. I give myself a, a game to just kind of gel us all together. A little bit of us right. all. Okay. Uh, but in all seriousness, up front. Ah, Yakubu. Get your cougar the in there. What a team that is. Gavin. <laughs> well, I, I could pick anybody from the mid-80s, but I, I'll be a little bit more... Uh, I'd, I'd, sad thing. I'd have Sadibi in there because Bo's got somebody who's either got no kit or one, <laughs> one bit of kit in the driver's <laughs> side, doesn't it? Very like, good. Yeah, very good. You'd, you'd have to have Sadibi. You know, he's got one sock, you know. Uh, I think up front, you know, I talk about Premier League, but like our sort of uh, podcast and, You'd have, you'd have to have Rom up there, wouldn't you? Up top, he'd be, he'd be fantastic in five-a-side. Yeah. Uh, Rom, I think he'd be... You know what? I think he'd be a really good five-a-side player, Kevin Morales as well. Right, OK. I think, I think he'd be yeah. good. I think uh, goalie... I think uh, I think Stack could be decent in five-a-side. Right. So in my last few years and stuff, I think he'd be... Good penalty saver. Yeah, I think, yeah, he'd have that. And I, I'm just trying to think of... So I've got, I've got Sadibi... Uh, Kevin Morales, Lukaku, as a defender, I think, you know, I think it'd be a beast in five sides. We had them in one year. I think Zuma would be great in five sides. Wow. Interesting. Adam? Uh, I'm just going pure quality for me. Uh, yeah. Nigel Martin in goal. Leighton Baines. Yes. Idris a guy. Because he'll, he'll be yeah. absolutely everywhere on that five side pitch. Uh, Delafeu and Lukaku. <sighs> Nobody's picked that. Stephen Pina. I'm absolutely appalled. Oh, wow. Well, what would yours be then? Well, I'd have Pickford, Pickford Baines, Pina, obviously, because they come as a package. Oh, yeah. Ooh, and then, do you know what? I'm going all out attack. Rom and Jelovic. Oh, I love Jelovic in five aside, Phil. Fin finish it. Goal anger. Yeah, finish it. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be the Brenner. The yeah. Brenner. Yella, you stay up top, lad. We'll find you. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that would be I think that would be an easy team to play against though I think uh, oh, shocking I'm just saying just I just played three you know to be fair to be fair I, 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 I was toying with Idrissa because I think he'd be an absolute nightmare to play against wouldn't he anyway so oh yeah he'd, he'd be brilliant in five aside but you've got you've got to have uh, you've got to have a, you know a few unusual characters I think Sazibi would be I think in five aside <laughs> he'd be he'd be he wouldn't know what was doing, he'd going to do next yeah. he wouldn't pass to yeah and you wouldn't know, you know, you wouldn't know what to expect from them. You know, play with a few like that any time. Indeed, Sounds you know. like Sam. 
<laughs> very good well on that note we will uh, bring an end to today's podcast chaps thank you very much for uh, for dialing in on uh, on hangouts and getting this recorded uh, from various rooms in your uh, homes across the region and uh, thank you very much for listening thanks to the guys the girls who've sent in questions keep them coming in we'll uh, we'll keep doing listener question podcasts throughout this period for however long we are all under lockdown and um, hope everybody's safe and well and uh in good health so thank you very much for listening this has been the royal blue podcast you've been listening to the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo